Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Swetman, and today on the show, we're returning to our series looking at the films of Darren Aronofsky. This time, we're looking at The Wrestler from 2008 and his most recent film, The Whale, from 2022. Joining me for this series is filmmaker and friend of the show, Michael J. Darty. Stick around. Welcome to Arthouse Garage. Darren Aronofsky is a filmmaker I'm enjoying more and more with each film I see. If you missed part one, go back to episode 117, where we talked about his films Pi and The Fountain. Today we are on to part two, looking at The Wrestler and The Whale. As mentioned before, we are not going in chronological order for this series, but rather pairing the films up thematically. Our guest, Michael, programmed this podcast series, and he calls these two the male suffering films. We will summarize the plot of both films as we get into them, uh, and we do talk about the ending of both films in detail. So, spoiler warning for both The Wrestler and The Whale. While we're on the subject of warnings, I also need to issue a content warning for this episode. We talk quite a bit about suicide, so please don't listen if you don't feel up to that. If you haven't heard him before, Michael J. Darty has been on the show a few times. He's a filmmaker and a disability advocate. He helped start the L.A. chapter of the Real Abilities Film Festival, and he is also one of my favorite people to talk movies with. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Michael Darty about Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler and The Whale. You have a beer with me? Uh, I've got to get going. One beer. I really... I got, a, I got a kid. You have a kid? Well, what do you have, a boy or a girl? Boy. Jameson. How old? Nine. Wow. Who would figure, huh? Well, not something I usually tell the customers. Not exactly. It's not a turn on. Uh, hold on. Wait a second. I want you to give this to your little guy. It's a, it's a Randy the Ram action figure. <laughs> Tell him not to lose it. It's a $300 collector's item. Really? No. <laughs> Come on, hey, one beer. Okay. <laughs> Michael J. Darty, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I said the J again, because last time you... you were no, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling more and more <laughs> special by the moment. It's... it's pretty good that's very professional anyway yeah. how are you I'm, I'm doing doing okay um it's it's a good thing that we're we're talking about suffering for the next couple of weeks or a couple of episodes because i'm having brain surgery uh on the may 17th i don't know when this is coming out but uh i'm not sure either probably after maybe before that we'll find out <laughs> it's but, well, yeah. e either way i it's i i've it's been literally on the brain yeah uh me thinking mm -hmm. about the the themes of both the wrestler and uh the 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 whale so mm -hmm. oh, serendipity i guess i guess so yeah and uh you know as we talk about off mic i'll definitely be thinking about you as you go through with that and uh yeah Thanks. you know thoughts and prayers i don't know if we say, <laughs> we say that here on this podcast where we're talking about these religious or not so religious films we're going to get into in just a minute anywho 
Um, best of luck with the surgery, really. Um, Thanks. It's never a, a light undertaking, so I hope it goes well. But I do well, it'll think be, you, it'll be yeah. my 35th. So wow. I think at this point I'll I'll get that set of steak knives. <laughs> so yeah, you punch card and you get get a free surgery at a certain yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, uh yeah, that's that's a lot of surgeries. Uh yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna talk a bit about um well as as you said earlier, uh we're gonna talk about suffering and yeah, maybe it's a fitting thing. Um before we get into that uh well actually let's let's get into it so we're going to talk about the wrestler and the whale which um are really interesting so for myself you know as i'm playing catch but i'd seen the whale but i had not seen the wrestler before just really seeing feeling the trends more and which we'll get into but um so these two you've you've paired together as sort of the male suffering uh films in his filmography so first, on the topic of male suffering, what do you think Aronofsky is so interested in uh, with suffering, or, or what do you find interesting about it? Well, I, I can't speak for him. I don't. I don't quite know where where he's coming from. But I, it's just that it suffering with a capital S is the thing that every single one of this guy's movies is mm-hmm. is about. Every single one of them. And he has this particular obsession uh, with with how the body breaks down and how the the body will literally suffer, whether it's wrestlers inflicting it on one another or if it's a morbidly obese person who's trying to kill himself by by eating. Um, and it, it it certainly works graphically. Um, but I, I, I think that there's a larger issue there and it goes back to this idea that Aronofsky is an atheist by his own admission, but he seems so concerned with the soul of every single one of his characters because it, 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 it seems like, especially for, for, for the Ram and for Charlie that they both feel condemned by the, by their own hand or maybe by the world, but they're, they, they're condemned and their, their punishment then has to be to destroy themselves. Hmm. Um, and it, and it, and it's over and over and over again. And there's a there's a there's a, a a disturbing part of that which i mean all of it's disturbing but there's a disturbing element to that which is that they aren't necessarily successful in, at the outset they have to keep doing it to themselves over and over mm-hmm. it's the it's the repetition of that self-inflicted violence mm-hmm. um and how much we as human beings can withstand which is one of the things that i find m- very moving um uh, uh, about both of those stories and about all of his work is that is that yes he deals with punishment and i think he's been accused of punishing the audience or or not having any f- real feeling for his characters and i think that's categorically untrue because i think 
what he's really driving at is is look at 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 the types of of things that we can withstand mm-hmm. um and I've, and I and I and I find that attitude very courageous and and it's something that's 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 moved me for the you know the past 25 years so I like that framing of it and that especially for the whale uh, I've talked to you and I've said before the podcast didn't connect with that film as much as um, some of his others that I have but I think that framing uh, is helpful in in kind of finding some meaning in it so yeah I like that a lot Um as far as suffering goes, I don't have a lot to say about it, but I, I do, I think I touched on this last time uh, a little bit, but I just like the relationship between suffering and like spirituality, I think is interesting. And um, I read in a book somewhere that, that humans are not able to change their minds in any significant way without some amount of suffering. I think that was a Richard Rohr thing that he said, um, which I think is an interesting thing. And what do, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it was just that um, this was, so I was reading a book about like leaving religion or like changing your mind about spiritual matters. Yeah. I mean that, which actually pertains to the whale, which we can talk about in a little bit. Um, but it was that when you have uh, come to a different understanding of belief and just the, the feeling of alienation with people that you used to agree with and how uh, it's seemingly impossible to like explain it. I'm talking about evangelical Christianity specifically. Like, okay, I don't believe the same way that I used to. And now the, the, the peers I used to have, I can't, I can't logic my way into having them agree with me like it's just some of these spiritual like core beliefs are so locked in that without some degree of suffering it's hard to dislodge and and change your mind about something like that um, and how, how does the suffering embody itself and I, mean, I think we're talking about religious trauma i think that's yeah, the phrase yeah. so how does that how is that embodied that suffering like what what happens like what is the suffering yeah yeah i mean for i mean for religious trauma often it's the there is the loss of community and there is well so i think it also is it can be an external thing so i i can look back at times in my own life when i've gone through personal tragedy and come through that's when i don't know if i believe the same way i used to or i'm seeing these things differently i've talked about my daughter's birth a lot and she had a lot of surgeries and issues and lived in the hospital for a year and a half and got through that experience and was sudden, which was miserable and terrible. And, you know, the, during that time you question, uh, do I still believe in God? What, what's the nature of God? All of those kinds of questions. And why, think, why, why would God do this to a child? Yeah, absolutely. And then, so, and then a previous time, I think I've shared this on the podcast before. I don't know. My, I lost a brother to suicide died by suicide when I was 19 and he was 16. Sorry. And in that, uh, I mean, it's been a long time ago, but um, in that period as well, like I had a lot of depression and things after that. Um, I didn't plan to talk about this. We'll throw a trigger warning at the front. But it was that semester at college that I was reading um, In Memoriam by Alfred Lord Tennyson. And I thought that was so, uh, I connected with that so much. And like, it was why, because he, when he wrote that he had gone through suffering as well and he's writing these big questions and it's like in the style of psalms but he's writing these things where he's you know questioning the the big the big things of the universe and those those same kinds of questions about 
is there a God? That's how I feel after going through this. And yeah, so I, I have personally felt that the connection between suffering and yeah, maybe spiritual questioning or like coming out of religious, um, coming to different conclusions about religious things, that is a painful thing. Without the suffering, I don't know if I would have gotten to those places. And I do feel like that is a growth. Um, so that's, I guess, some of the things that are swirling in my brain when I think about suffering and spirituality and maybe the, some of the themes that are in these films. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers well, the well, it, it, I, This is jumping around, I guess, but it begs the question, does, does, does either one of them learn anything, as you said, about their own suffering to the degree that they can change or or are they both just complete tragedies yeah that's a good question and so i think we'd have to talk about the specific films because i think i think i could see a hopeful ending for the whale but not so much for the wrestler um i i feel the exact opposite all right and, uh, with, with, okay, let's talk about the wrestler first. Let's let's okay. get into it. Um, so, as a brief plot summary, um, this the Ram is his stage name. As he's been a professional wrestler, he was big in the '80s. He's now maybe washed up would be the term, um, but he's still doing these events. It's taking more of a toll on his body. Uh, he has a heart attack as a result of one of the uh, really intense fights at the beginning of the film, and. Uh, then he tries to reach out to his daughter, tries to connect uh, romantically with Marissa Tomei's character. and um, Who's a stripper, and that's also important. Yes. Um, and again, to put just a spoiler warning, we're going to talk about the ending. Um, but things sort of start to go well, and then they go very poorly, and he feels as if no one in the world loves him or needs him and so he's best in the ring and so it ends with him going into the ring even though it's it could kill him and it's kind of an ambiguous ending but i read it as he you know jumps to his death at the end essentially kind of in a blaze of glory Uh, is that how you read the ending yes and while i am vehemently anti-suicide i for this character it's probably the best thing for him that it wasn't going to get better and he was just going to keep tearing himself apart and so yeah you're right he goes out in a, in a blaze of glory and then it's it's just over almost like a euthanization in a way like self-euthanization or something because yeah he it so like the trends that i'm seeing now too the ending of this film i think parallels the ending of the whale also very much the ending of black swan um, and even looking back to Pi, we have, you know, the kind of ending with that sort of self-mutilation scene where he's he doesn't die, but he's forever changed. Um, I mean, the fountain with Hugh Jackman's character going through whatever he goes through at the end there, a death of some sort. Um, yeah, so it's interesting, like, you're right, the, the suffering is always there. And then uh, of the ones we've talked about so far, we kind of get to a point where it's is it a hopeful or not but it's a death uh in in some way um what do you think about in in the wrestler is there anything kind of unique or significant about the suffering that ram the ram goes through um or how do you feel that it's does it stand apart in any way from the other 
uh, Aronofsky films we've seen so far? Well, I, it's so visceral. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's literally like blood and guts. Yeah. Um, but I think what makes it unique is that he's quote unquote asking for it. Mm -hmm. uh, not, not in the sense that he deserves it, although I think he actually does believe that about himself, but, but that he's putting himself in a situation where he knows that this suffering has, has to happen and it has to happen in, in, in order for the show to go on for the, the crowd to get what, what thereafter, I mean, it's like, it's like the, 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 the Roman Coliseum in, in a sense is like mm -hmm. the, they, they want to see the gladiators, you know, destroy each other. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I just, I, 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 I was struck by how more than actually any other one of Aronofsky's film, this is like his like realist or mm. neo-realist um, yeah. movie. And I know from from the background of it and and with Mickey Rourke, who by the way, this is one of the great screen performances. He's absolutely. In Incredible in this, um, but that he Mickey Rourke was a a, a a a very handsome man in in the eighties and was a matinee idol and was was considered you know on on track to becoming the next Brando and he became self destructive himself, left acting for the most part and became a boxer, um, and went through a similar thing where he allowed his head to be pummeled into the shape of a pumpkin. I mean, you can see the original, the, the original Mickey Rourke in there, but I mean, the, the amount of reconstructive surgery had just to re repair his face. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he, he admits in interviews that he, he did this to himself and so when you watch this, even if it's staged as, as the movies are, for me, if you know the background, or even if you don't, it really feels like it's happening. Mm -hmm. And to the extent, actually, that you, there's the trick that the wrestlers have where they, they hide the razor blade, and then when they're down, they cut, they cut themselves to make it seem more dramatic because they're bleeding wrestlers apparently at least on the independent circuit really have that's a practice mm -hmm. and darren aronowski as as part of his direction told mickey rourke you have to actually do that mm -hmm. and i don't think mickey rourke wanted to because who would want to do that but i mean when you see that happen i mean that is a person hurting themselves for their art so it takes on this kind of like mm. meta quality to it um which I, I i think is absolutely extraordinary um so yeah absolutely i think visceral is the right word yeah you're like compared to like pie or the fountain which are very stylized this feels so yeah realistic as you're saying the it's like the hardcore fight i think is what they call it where they have they're breaking glass at each other and barbed wire. And, 
and the um the st- the staple gun. Oh, oh. My god! Like, and the way that's edited together is really well done because we see him go out, and then we see like that the, they have a doctor on on staff all the time to come like after the fight fix you up, and then we're seeing what the doctor's doing, and then it's cutting back to how that happened in the fight back and forth. I think it's a brilliant construction. Um, but yeah, it's it's very difficult to watch violence wise um but yeah it's such a unique as you're saying like such a unique um type of suffering to like this is what he the only thing he has going for him is is to suffer publicly um i had so i was going to ask you about like the religious themes of this which as you mentioned earlier there's not much but there is one thing that i really liked about it um or it's just really it's just one piece of dialogue i guess it's when we first meet Marissa Tomei's character and she he, he's talking about having been beaten up or something that day in the in the ring and then she goes off in this little scriptural tangent where she's talking about Christ you know he, he's bruised for your sins and that kind of thing and it's it's kind of out of place yeah I, it's it's not the most like organic piece of dialogue feeling but I think it's important and it uh, it does kind of put him as this sort of Christ figure in a way, um, you know, suffering for others, if that's the audience or whatever. But I thought that was an interesting thing to bring in. Well, but this is where I sort of come in and say, like, I, I, I think that the, the religiosity that in that you're, you're, you're correct in pointing that out, but in both of the wrestler and the whale, I think is, is a bit of a false flag. I think it's kind of a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, and a sick and twisted one because yeah they bring up the the passion of, of the christ oh yeah yeah in the actual film they talk about the film go ahead though yeah and you can immediately go well yeah there is that parallel then but the but the irony of it is that jesus had that done to him for a reason yeah yeah so it's like a sick twisted like where, where but whereas mickey rourke there isn't really a reason. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing. There's nothing that happens that's be, that's about enlightenment. There's nothing that happens about making the world a better place. There's nothing that happens through the violence uh, that brings any redemption to to anybody. Uh, people are just as lost at the end as they were in in the beginning the only thing you can say is that that because as you said we think he he he, he takes that existential leap off the top rope into oblivion and and he dies like that's the best that you can hope for is is that it's it's simply over and that he he doesn't have to contend with maybe god had abandoned him in his mind and maybe that's why he doesn't relate to it um and i think abandonment is 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 an issue that that aronofsky also deals with and you get a guy who feels that he he's lost everything he thinks it's his his fault and and to a degree that is absolutely true um but but no one is beyond saving and we are we are we are never worse than our worst day yeah but he just didn't didn't know that yeah or didn't key, care. yeah 
Yeah. I think it's key too that he has the choice at the end too because she comes back. She's like, I'm here. I'm here. Like, let's do this or whatever. It's like giving him some sort of a an out. Um, but then he chooses, you know, this is, this is my path, you know? Yes. What an interesting ending. Do you, do you have any other favorite moments from the wrestler? I, I think Marissa Tomei in general is stunning. And I, I love the scene in the bar when they're talking about like the hair metal verse versus the nineties music. And, and because they both came up in the Mm eighties And so it's more of that sort of meta text where they're these stars of that era are making comments about that era. Um, but uh, I I love the scene in with in the the deli. I was gonna bring that up too. Mm-hmm. Which apparently, and this is another like behind the scenes thing, is that um, they ran out of uh, day players. So Mickey Rourke at a, at a certain point was just serving the customers <laughs> that would come in and ask for meat, <laughs> and and he was he was really doing that for him but then the manager apparently came out to aronofsky and was like can you tell mickey Rourke to like straighten up his handwriting because they can't <laughs> can't tell what the prices are what people want so yeah um yeah that's, no, but, that's a great scene and i love too because there's basically two deli scenes the first one goes really well and it's like he's doing it he's like getting really into it and like um his mental health is in a better place on that day and then at the end he's back there and everything's going horribly and he you know self-sabotages again by cutting his hand in the deli slicer which is also brutal and horrible to watch but i think that also like the difference between those two scenes highlights like the just the choice that he has to kind of make himself suffer or try to get out of it Uh, but, but also the first i think it's the first deli scene when he's going out uh, to the deli, there's a great sequence where he's like walking through the halls and I, you actually, you hear the air conditioning at, at first. And I was like, Oh, that sounds like a crowd cheering. And I was like, Oh no, that's like, that's intentional. Like it looks like he's going out to the ring and it's this cool shot following him over the shoulder. I thought that was a brilliant. Uh, and I, I love how so much of that, I mean, you don't even see his face for, I think like the first seven minutes hmm. because the camera follows behind him the the whole time. It's like, it's like there's the very famous moment in in Raging Bull that you, you've obviously. You've, I've actually never seen Raging Bull. <laughs> I know, if terrible. you want to cut this part out, we can. <laughs> Horribly embarrassed. All right. Well, have, we'll have to, we'll have to do that. Okay, I've got it on my shelf. I just gotta well, watch it. We'll have to do that movie as a discussion <laughs> as well, maybe as an add-on or something. Um, but there's a very famous uh, uh, tracking shot in um in raging bull which follows robert de niro uh from from the the locker room all the way up to the ring um from from behind basically um and this kind of is sort of like the rougher sort of metal version of of that constantly it's like this is sort of raging bull but this is this is even worse um in in a in a sense in the in the level of of pain that gets graphically in, inflicted yeah yeah i love to the just like being in a world that i don't know much about like it almost feels like a documentary when he's like hanging out with the wrestlers backstage and the the manager guy comes out and tells them the the, the order of everything and who's going to be fighting who and then they meet up and 
talk through their choreography and everything. I, I thought that was so fascinating. And it, I, I don't know this, but I think like most of those guys must be actual wrestlers from that world. It feels yeah. like we really are going into that world. Uh, so I think that's like another thing I really liked about this film. Well, yeah, what they would do is they would, um, the, the way that they, they, they filmed it was that they, they hitched their wagon to actual matches um, that were um, playing in, in the, I think they did it in New Jersey. I think that's where it was filmed. Um, and they would have a match and then they would have Mickey Rourke come on, do his thing. And they would have that real crowd hmm. cheering. Um, and then they would get off and then another one would come on and then Mickey Rourke would come on again after that. And I, I just, I mean, I love that kind of guerrilla filmmaking. I mean, that's yeah. another thing like Aronofsky, like he, he, he loves it. I don't know if he loves hitting the ground running, but it's, it's really inspiring. Yeah. We talked about pie, all the, the stuff with that, um, and the way he stole those shots and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Um, well, I am so glad that I finally watched this movie. I remember when it came out, I was like, you gotta watch the wrestler. Uh, finally did. And it's, I absolutely loved it. Really, really, uh, think a lot of this film and now should we talk about the whale sure uh so the whale just came out this past year 2022 won the oscar for best actor for brendan fraser and by uh, and i should say just sorry to interrupt but mickey rourke should i i love sean penn and milk but mickey oh, rourke should have won the oscar for that yeah yeah i didn't realize that's who we lost to. yeah absolutely yeah um the whale, as you already mentioned, follows this man who's uh, morbidly obese. I don't, is that a is that term acceptable? I'm not sure. That's I, well, I think that's the scientific okay term, uh, the medical way to describe it. I uh, know sizeism is a thing, but I, I yeah. yeah. In any case, uh, Charlie is his name, and he, uh, as you have already alluded to, is. Uh, knows that he does not have long left to live and is kind of eating himself to death and uh similar to the ram reaches out to his estranged daughter and tries to reconnect there um and then there's also this jehovah's witness is he jehovah's witness or is he something else i can't remember now a missionary coming to the door maybe it's not specific uh about yeah i think it's just a fundamentalist like mission yeah and uh he also has a friend who cares for him and um he's an english teacher he teaches on zoom and then we find out basically what i didn't expect about this film is how much backstory and and how much it like religious trauma deals directly into the plot um and find out that his uh his i don't know husband partner was uh a a preacher's kid i think right i'm trying to remember the exact Mm -hmm. detail there and Mm -hmm. um basically uh, a very non-affirming um church that he was brought up in and uh, kind of was filled with self-loathing because of that but was in love with charlie and uh then died again i watched this movie last year and i'm trying to remember the details but he died by suicide right isn't that mm-hmm. true i thought that was the, the case and so obviously there's a lot of religious baggage there that he never talks about but his friend um brings up and kind of fills us as the audience in on um and that's that's kind of the the basic overview run us through the rest of the plot that i'm forgetting here at the ending because i remember well his 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 estranged 
wife played by the wonderful Samantha Morton in a like a one scene showstopper um comes comes back um to check on him and the the whole conceit is that he he's eating himself to death and he's ha- he has congestive heart failure but the one thing that calms him down is reading this essay about Moby Dick that we find out at at the end that the daughter wrote or play did she plagiarize it I, I, I think because I she... I was like who read Moby Dick in the eighth grade <laughs> I don't remember the does she make a joke about plagiarizing it or something I'm trying well to she does play she she talks about plagiarizing another one mm. Um, and yeah, we have to talk about the daughter because it's, it's the, that it is the white whale of (laughs) of the entire movie as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, but Charlie has this thing where he has this, this amazing heart and in spite of his suffering, in spite of the fact that everyone appears to hate him except for one person or, or wants to save him um, and, and, and thereby doesn't accept who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he still loves everyone around him unconditionally. And the, and we can talk about Brendan Fraser's performance and where he all fits into this. But the one thing that I completely bought was you believe Brendan Fraser really does care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it shows in those gigantic blue eyes of his, the, the depth of his love. So the one yeah. thing that the movie nails is that aspect because it keeps driving home the point. It's like, why are you doing this to yourself? Why, why are you loving in, 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 in spite of all the hatred that's hurled your way? And, I think that's more in tune with sort of the Christ narrative, mm-hmm. um, certainly more so than than the wrestler. Um, but but he he deals with a a a a, a, a relationship with his with his daughter, who. I think just turns out to be a psychopath (laughs) in the end. I mean, there's a, there's a level of rage, which on the one hand is understandable because she feels that Charlie has abandoned her and her mother. And he's, he's, she accuses him of selfishness and has quite a leg to stand on because all she has to do is point at his body as the example of of like the ultimate selfishness but the way that she behaves as opposed to the evan rachel wood character in in the wrestler who i thought was wonderful and just a little bit of screen time um it is is that it it becomes sadistic Mm. rather quickly and that's where Charlie's love 
even though it is possible to love people unconditionally, I, I, I believe that, especially parent to child. But as a as a as an audience member, I'm like, dude, what are you not getting about this? Like, like walk away. Don't don't let this level of toxicity like do you in. And part of the problem is is that and maybe this is the point. I'm I'm not sure. I can go either way. You can convince me. But the the essay isn't all that good. <laughs> it's not all that interesting. It's not all that profound. There's nothing. There's nothing that feels enlightened about it. So you wonder what? Why is he clinging to this sort of illusion? uh about the world around him um and so it 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 stretches credibility and then she she demands that he stand and and walk toward her and he's a 600 pound man and he's not supposed to move and that's what ultimately kills him because he knows that it'll kill him so it is a slow suicide in in a sense, and then he gets to ascend to heaven, which I, I, I if if it's if it's sincere, it doesn't work at all. It's it's ham fisted and it's awkward and it's just kind of goofy. Like it's a goofy image, and I wonder. I've never seen the stage play, but I wonder how they would have handled that. Ending yeah. I mean, where you just raise the actor to the rafters in the fat suit. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that it's necessarily sincere, and I don't think that 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 Aronofsky um, has any great feeling about his re redemption, even though he's talked about that in interviews. And and by the way, I should just address this. Uh, I the, the big controversy was that that. Aronofsky and the movie were accused of being fat phobic mm -hmm. and putting putting obesity in in a bad light as if you could put it in a good light. I, I don't I don't know. Um, but I don't think that that's actually true. I think the 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 performance is too strong and too compassionate. Um, and the eating because the people would single out that like the eating's disgusting and i didn't see disgust i saw desperation hmm. I, I saw a person trying very very hard to to calm their nerves and and being desperate to to do it because life was so painful so i don't entirely buy that argument but at the same time i've I've never felt more like the people that argue that Aronofsky makes sadistic movies, which again, I don't think is true. I think they are about sadism maybe, but I don't think the movies themselves are sadistic. Um, they, I could buy that argument with this movie because it seems like he's kind of a, 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 a bit removed or uh, from, from Charlie um yeah that's i i like all that i think it's it is interesting to think about you know is is the ending sincere because yeah my experience with this film was about the halfway point it was the sadie sink daughter character 
which by the way i think sadie sink is a great actor i think it's probably she's just, it's good so it's just, it was so bad but it's yeah. so bad <laughs> the she just stops behaving like a real human i think and, and that's so like then emotionally i kind of checked out from it so by the end i was like i i don't know what i'm supposed to be feeling about this ending right now because it's yeah. just confusing um but but i know a lot of people very smart people really like this movie so i i, I don't want to you know knock it too hard or anything like that um but yeah and and then as, as mentioned like i there's i don't as many people have religious trauma there's not it doesn't often come up in as frank of terms as it does in this film i feel like in kind of like mainstream ish movies and so i appreciated that about it i also think that hong chow's tremendous and everything i've seen best thing in the movie she's so so good i I wish she would have won uh for her performance uh the oscar because she was nominated but um so i I really like her uh, liz is her character's name um who is the sister of charlie's dead lover that's the other connection yes yeah so much like stage plays often are all these people are connected very few characters in one location it feels stagey in that way um but yeah, like I remember the scene where she kind of fills in the backstory to the missionary who's been showing up, uh, and that her performance there is really good. And, um, yeah. So my big takeaway from this was <laughs> Hong Chao is a really incredible actor. Um, but yeah. Do you have any, anything else about the religious themes, about the suffering that you want to say about the whale? Well, how, how do you feel the depiction of, of fundamental Christianity yeah. came off? Yeah, I mean, it felt nothing that you know is, happens in the in the backstory that we find out felt uh, rang false to me. Like that that wasn't any issue that I had with the writing. I thought actually when we learned that it kind of all fit together pretty nicely. And um, so ostensibly, this uh, Charlie's I can't remember Charlie's uh, ex lover's name uh, at this moment, but apparently he you know had left the church and and had you know found love with charlie and they lived together and everything but still the uh kind of the the residual guilt from the religious upbringing was enough to torment him so much that it or, or whether it was that or whether there was you know continued um antagonizing from family or something but th- that absolutely rang true that even years and years after you have left a situation those those things ring around in your head still and so i thought that was a a believable setup and um yeah so i i kind of liked all that about it the missionary character is interesting he 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 just like shows up in the most awkward moment in the beginning while charlie's uh masturbating and also like having a heart episode of some kind um but then keeps coming back and seems to have, be a genuinely, you know, good-hearted person, which is very much the foil to Sadie Sink's character, who you know shows up and is just antagonistic to a fault. Well, to a fault. There's a weird way to put that, but like just uh, nonstop. Um, but then he has the the missionary character has a little bit of a redemption arc as well, uh, and goes back home in the end, which is interesting as well. But yeah, uh, generally speaking, that nothing about the fundamentalist Christianity felt, you know felt off which it often does in movies i think sometimes like yeah it doesn't it's not being you know being fair to the fundamentalist christians like um in a way that often it's just the very you know 
ignorant or or whatever depictions kind of cartoonish depictions of fundamentalist christians whereas this felt um it was just like this is part of the, there's this big church in town and this affects us all in these ways and that felt felt realistic yeah so so does the ending then track for you i mean i know i just went to work on it but <laughs> um i think track in in the sense of like did i you know connect with it emotionally no um yeah so it, I, i'm not sure what else to say about it other than um i i did feel I, I think when i once we got to that point i was kind of my my investment emotionally had had dive bombed already and it was like continuing gradually going down and so i felt that so i guess are you asking whether i think it's a sincere ending from aronofsky like this really happens for charlie or like you know really happens no i think i think what i'm driving at is like if if the if the fundamentalist character was okay at least as far as the script is concerned and he that character sort of gets the the best sort of outcome of of anybody in the in the the movie um is there then something to be said for the fact that that's that that what this kid supposedly believed was th- that you would be you would be bathed in light and, and sort of embraced by by god and then the movie goes so far as to actually show, show literally show that yeah yeah so i think if it's like you know a figurative ending it's maybe showing that okay this church believes that that's what's going to happen but actually charlie is the person with a good heart that you know deserves that happy ending in a way or something um but i was going somewhere with with that thought but yeah i think the ending it it does it it parallels the wrestler even more than i thought because i think in a sense you know it's it's kind of going out in a blaze of glory like here he is doing something in a way that's sacrificial for his daughter sort of even though she's like forcing him to do it and it's a it's a very odd situation but it feels like he's uh dying because he loves her and he's like trying to do something for her or show his love to her um so because way, because she'll yeah. get the money yeah and oh, i'm trying to remember exactly so he's reading the essay right and and she's telling she's him reading to, it she's and, reading it and as as she's reading it he then gets up mm-hmm. starts to walk across the 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 room which is something she had wanted him to do uh yeah. she had like asked him to do um so i i i think i can read that as he's you know trying to show his daughter that he really loves her or something um i i, I wondered though if that's the loving response yeah. you know i i and then again, if if his if his rationale is if i die right away she'll get the money quicker i guess but i mean to back up hong hong chao's nurse is i think the the christ figure hmm. in all of this because she's actually trying to make a difference and trying is out there doing god's work by the job that she has mm-hmm. and so 
it makes you wonder like yeah you should have you should have gone to the hospital and there was there was no reason for you to do any of this but then maybe that's sort of the challenge of the movie is that it's ultimately saying you have to figure out why a person would would choose to feel this way and in the end behave this way um and i think that that's a really provocative and great question i just don't think that there's enough to substantiate any fulfilling answer yeah um but one my story so yeah it definitely fits within yeah like the, the thematic context of his other films so i think if if someone comes to it knowing of aronofsky films they're going to see some of those things in it that aren't necessarily there but they know that that's this is what on is on aronofsky's mind every time maybe which again it was only my second aronofsky film so it wasn't that none of that context was there for me um but it definitely watching his other movies brings some more um kind of thematic context to it so i don't know but also not my favorite movie of the of the marathon so far or of the year last year or anything like that but um you know i well, also go ahead well one of one of the other things and I, I think this is both sort of like the saving grace of brendan fraser but also the giant failure of it which is that that face those eyes i mean and and just his sort of way of being in the world just as a human being as an actor like it really sells the vulnerability and the the compassion and so i can't completely overlook the, all the there are some glaring flaws in this thing but if it succeeds at all it's really because of of the gravity of that performance but at the same time it suffers in a in a in a in a in a almost unforgivable way in that we know that it's Brendan Fraser, so the effects end up looking like effects, hmm. and he ceases to be a real person in the way that we would perceive like Mickey Rourke right. being a real person. Um, and I know there was the argument like you should have gotten you should have gotten a 600 pound actor, which they could never have insured a, a person who would be that unhealthy. So that never would have happened. But at the same time, I think having an unknown, mm -hmm. completely unknown actor, um, rather than having this sort of redemption story for Brendan Fraser, as it was for Mickey Rourke, um, I think that would have bore a little more fruit um, yeah, would and, and more, would have made it a little more believable. Yeah, been more artistically satisfying, but I'm sure would never have uh, flown at the box office the way, mm -hmm. the way the studios needed it to and all of that. But yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. But I also, I also, another sort of, it's not a criticism because a person can make a movie however they see fit, but there, there's, there, there wasn't the same, like, like verve in the technique mm -hmm. um, that is in literally all the other movies. Mm -hmm. Like 
he for he subjugated it seems like aronofsky subjugated himself to, to material that wasn't entirely worthy of his talents because there isn't what i would call uh, beyond the performances isn't a lot of artistry um on display in the way that it's you know really apparent in all the other movies um and again it it, it may be a choice to have everything just be quiet and dark and still um that is that is a way to go but again it's like that choice brings attention to brendan fraser's sort of falseness hmm. with makeup hmm. uh even more so and actually that's why i think hong chow i don't know if it's because of the way the part's written or that she just spun a miracle because she she and samantha morton are really the ones that get a get away with yeah. like they feel the closest to to a reality yeah um i think that is hong chow just is that good but also she's relatively i mean a newcomer so it's not like she has the, yeah. the recognition that brendan fraser does but yeah, yeah. But yeah i think it is really interesting seeing like such different characters in these two films the wrestler and the whale but making kind of similar choices in some way yeah as far as like the self-sabotaging and all of that so and yeah and i'm thinking too about yeah like visually you're right like if you showed someone the whale and then showed them the fountain they would have no idea it was the same filmmaker i think um or like black swan black swan was the first one i saw and i'm excited to watch it again um but i remember it being really visually engaging and uh, a lot a lot going on but anyway Maybe that's a good kind of ending point and segue into next time. Well, wait, wait, I have one wait. more. Okay, I want to try to, I want to try to tie it together. Yes, yes, yes. Go, go, go. Sorry. Because what is it about men hmm. and our relationship to punishment specifically punishment not not simply suffering or pain but punishment and our willingness to take that on i don't i don't think because i don't i think this transcends religion and spirituality um but what is that drive to to be able to take a punch and keep going um, that was sort of the question that I kept asking myself, especially with the wrestler, because of everything that Mickey Rourke has been through. I mean, there's a level of, I think, self-hatred hmm. um, on, on the part of both of those characters. Um, is it a question of of men having a harder time than women sort of traditionally dealing with with feelings in a in a in a a a, in a a good and healthy way um and does and does that end up leading to violence the fact that we tend to we can bottle things up 
I mean, I, 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 I give exception to, to you and I, I think we're, we're pretty sensitive dudes, but, <laughs> but, but I think, do, do you see what I'm driving at? Yeah, I think so. And so it's going to be interesting looking at the female suffering next time and seeing like what, what feels different about this. But I think you're right. Like for men, maybe it's unique. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not unique, but just like when you feel a certain amount of shame, you just really the feeling that you can deserve the pain or the suffering or you deserve like if something bad happens to you that, that you know that tracks i deserve it um there that that can be a familiar feeling you know with these two characters is that um and again maybe that does tie back to religion and spirituality as well is that uh that feeling of of deserving something bad coming your way um but yeah i don't know I think that, I but think it's that's almost like the 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 women, and we'll, we'll talk about it. It's like they 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 seem to be suffering for the benefits of of others, whereas these guys mm-hmm. think they're suffering for their own good. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe maybe that, um, but yeah, a lot of lot of lot of stuff to think about, and and you know, I'm 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 gonna be thinking about that going into the hospital is like i know that that it's necessary that i do this um so do i do i bring my usual sort of irish stoicism or do i let the emotional stuff in and actually sort of feel it because it's gonna it's gonna sting yeah i mean i i i the scene with the 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 staples really came home to me because i've actually had staples mm. to to bind up surgical wounds and i remember the one that i had as a nine-year-old um on my on my abdomen where where 26 staples were removed and they counted it down with a staple remover like it was a game oh my gosh and i was both terrified and mortified and horrified i i, I couldn't I still can't get my head around that happening the way that it is. And it's not, it, it was because I was a kid, but I, it, 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 it was one of those things that made me think, what, what is the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. And I, and I sort of in a healthy way got to the point where I was like, well, they're, they're actually trying to make you better. And so that you can keep living and you've had a lot to deal with but you have people that are on your side and yes they have to inflict pain on you but the 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 reason is 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 a good one at the end of the day but that still doesn't change the fact that i have to go through it and i i think at this point i don't i don't know if i'm resigned but i i i i i my parents have checked in a number of times because they they've been doing that and they keep saying how do you how are you feeling about this and i just keep saying it is what it is Mm. um and i i i we've 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 talked about certainly privately about like when when people call people who are physically or mentally challenged like brave and and things like that and it's like i and i i hate that um but but sometimes that's the only bit of salve that there is 
to that kind of suffering. It's like, yeah, maybe it's actually true that I'm I'm actually just I'm I'm terrified, but I'm going to go go anyway. Which is a is is a is a very Irish thing. It's a it's it's a it's a Beckett uh, Beckettian thing mm-hmm. in 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 many ways, and it's what's so inspiring. I think about certainly about the wrestler, and what's really sad and tragic about the whale is that like they they opt to go through it, mm-hmm. and I think there's something to be said for that. I just wish it weren't the case. Yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Um, I yeah. No, thanks for sharing and thanks for being vulnerable. I think that's. I think you're right. Like you know, looking at these characters, or men in general, you know, wanting to bottle it up and like the, the, courage it takes to be vulnerable is its, its own thing too. So, uh, and it's hard and it hurts to you know say, hey, actually, I'm not doing so well. Like this is scary or whatever. Um, whatever you might be feeling or anyone might be feeling but yeah well i i appreciate that you and i are doing this together i I do yeah Yeah, me too it's uh i think these are good conversations and and i think yeah just there are times that i can sort of feel like um just i mean i get burnt out sometimes on movies and i think what's the point of doing this you know is this is this actually worth anything but what what a fruitful conversation and what like real world um things are baked into these two films uh especially the wrestler i think just to you know as as you know the power and the importance of of art and storytelling and and cinema so anyway yeah i sort of carry with me and i can say that's just for my own ending is that like i i i I ain't got no quit in me, as <laughs> Mickey Rourke says. So that's 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 go. what I'm that's what I'm trying for, and I think that that we we owe it to ourselves to probably follow suit. Thumb our nose at this horrible universe. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Yeah. Again, just the layer that Aronofsky, you know, claims atheism is is so interesting in light of everything in these films anyway let's we can wrap up there but i think uh yeah i we will we'll talk to you again soon and we'll continue talking movies and uh on the other side of the surgery but i'll 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 see you outside the ring (laughs) exactly yeah well next time we are looking at uh requiem for dream which is going to be a first time watch for me something i've again wanted to watch forever but also kind of dreading watching a little bit but i'm, I'm glad finally watching it in this context it, it's 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 rough but again it's the it's the filmmaking and uh ellen Burstyn. i mean I, it, I i waxed you know ecstatic about becky rourke i'm probably going to do the exact same thing <laughs> for ellen Burstyn. um but yeah there you go. Cool, and then, um, black swan is the other which uh, i'm excited to, to watch again so yeah well, thank you as always, and uh, never, never a dull conversation when Michael's on the podcast. I really right on, man. It. And uh, <laughs> we will talk to you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. It's always a treat when Michael's on. Thank you again, Michael, for that wonderful conversation. Stay tuned. I'm still in the planning phase for the next few episodes of the podcast, so I don't have anything to tease just yet. But whatever it is. 
it'll be good. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Arthouse Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Arthouse Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Arthouse Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter. That's at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, Andrew, at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes and that will do it for this episode thank you again so much for listening and until next time keep it snob free 